0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Would the Smart Party Do? We're back again, and it is special guest time. We have had him on before, but there's new and exciting things afoot at Chaosium. So, we've got back Mr. David Larkin. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, not a problem, always a pleasure. And, of course, got my friend Baz. How's things down there, Baz?
1: It's not been a year since you've had me on, is it?
0: No, no. <laughs> no (laughs) let's not dive into that
1: (laughs) oh oh, no see you're making it sound like oh if only oh (laughs) wistful summery meadows when buzz wasn't around oh goodness thinking back to when we were younger buzz (laughs) just feeling the years now
0: anyway enough of our nonsense but talking of things that are quite old pendragon we talked about last time you were on dave it is it's one of those uh, classic games from yesteryear uh and Absolutely. for old fossils like myself uh, that's fine because i have several editions and played it when i was a wee lad but perhaps younger people didn't get to catch up with collections and stuff like that are you doing anything to kind of get the old game back to people now a newer audience perhaps
2: uh yeah actually we are uh, and that's one of the first things i can talk about is that we are going to be doing a Pendragon, or actually probably by the time this drops, we will we are doing a uh, Pendragon Classic Kickstarter in the same vein as uh, we did the RuneQuest Classic right. uh, Kickstarter. So this is going to be a reprint of the first edition box set, and I believe the run of supplements for the first edition as well. Rick's handling it, so, uh, you know, details TBD, but uh, I know for certain we'll have the box set with all the components, including the poster map and everything else.
0: Nice. Lovely. Yeah, I think that the Quest stuff definitely did well, didn't it? It was uh, super popular out there.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, that's an opportunity for folks. You know, you can still find the old first edition box on the secondhand market, but not always for the best prices, especially if you want something in good condition. So, you know, if you want to revisit the where it all started, uh, you know, or just want a fresh a fresh box on your shelf you know uh that's that's where you want to go
0: yeah that's the way i do it you want kind of like a, a set you can play with and then a set you want to keep for nice so i think that's a good a good way of doing it exactly nice and cheap right but aside from um, just reprinting the old classics you've obviously been in post now for probably about a year you've when we first talked to you probably quite new to the to the role as uh, the Pendragon line developer relatively speaking uh now you've had a good few months With your feet under the table how are things progressing what's new hip-hop and happening in Pendragon? world
2: yeah i've got a lot uh to to report um now the last time i was on i was talking about some i you know plans we had in place for some supplements for the fifth edition and uh you know i was working on those and then we had a little thing you know a global pandemic uh hit (laughs) And (laughs) right around the time that, you know, we would have been moving some of those products into final production and and printing and so forth. And, uh, you know, just at the time back in the spring, you know, things were very uncertain, uh, you know, production wise. And so we decided, hey, you know, why don't we just, uh, we have all this stuff here that we're working on for the next edition, the sixth edition, which I'll get into, Uh, you know, why don't we just focus 100% on that, you know, just kind of pivot a little bit. And all the stuff I talked about last year, it's still in the pipeline. It's just been moved down now. So it's all going to be 6th edition at this point. Mm. So that's what I've been working on this year. And what that is, is it's the new edition of of Pendragon. Uh, It's the edition that Greg Stafford was working on uh, for several years uh, and all the way up until his you know, untimely passing. And so it's just been up to me as the line editor to uh, take his, essentially his first draft manuscript, which he had completed and, you know, revise, 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 edit, 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 play testing, polishing, you know, and uh, art, layout, all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're moving towards uh, a release for the new edition core rulebook in uh, 2021. And that's going to be accompanied by a revised edition of the Great Pendragon Campaign, a, uh, a resource pack, uh, similar to the RuneQuest uh, pack, if you're familiar with that one, uh, and a starter set. And that's just kind of the initial, you know, rollout.
0: Sure. So that's that's a, an interesting approach, because um, for many years, role-playing games, have just tended to have, like, a book comes out, or maybe a player's and a GM's book, but that sounds like four products straight away with, you know, a good deal of resource there to, Without I wanted to reuse the word, but there's a, a great deal of bits and pieces there for people to get stuck into the game with. Is that um, a conscious decision for this line or for just general approach? You see an appetite from people that they want more stuff than just a book.
2: You know, it's kind of a modular approach. So, um, you know, you can grab the core rule book and it's a complete game in the core rule book, you know. Uh, the uh, resource pack has a GM screen, map, uh, more details on the county of Salisbury, you know, so you could pick that up with your core rulebook and use it to kind of create your own stories. The Great Pendragon campaign is going to be a multi-volume set and so you could buy the whole set or you could buy individual volumes that allow you to focus on specific periods. So uh you know there's the early you know kind of king arthur establishing his kingdom and the round table and chivalry and all that kind of stuff or, or there's the uh, period of high romance and tournaments or there's the downfall period with the grail quest and the rise of mordred you know if any of those appeal to you more than others just you know buy that volume right mm-hmm. and then of course the uh, or you know get the whole slipcase, obviously uh, and then there's the starter set, which is you know if you just want to dip your toe in, and we're we're modeling that on the uh, Call of Cthulhu starter set. So it's it's a complete, it's also a complete game in a box. You know it gives you character creation, pre generated characters, the basics of the system, and a little mini campaign.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think um, the the Cthulhu starter set particularly is very well received, and uh, I don't know it seems I don't want to say odd. I'm going to because I've said it now, but it just seems uh, curious that it it was so well received. I thought, like, it's probably just due to me being an old gamer and knowing lots of other people who've grown up with Cthulhu, so you kind of assume that everybody's at least had some experience or they've got a a vague feeling about it. But I think, even for um, older players, but definitely new players, it was like a great new route into a game. So it's good to hear that Pendragon's gonna have something similar. Like, again, um, I think there's two types of people there's people who really love Pendragon, and then people who haven't heard of it yet. So having a starter set to kind of get people in, uh, without having to you know froth at them or give them tons of background or anything like that, I think that's one of the the key on ramps that some of the older games have been missing up until recently. I think.
2: Yeah, we we really want to expand the audience for the game and get it out there, get it on people's radar, you know, and and something I'm you know make you know really prioritizing with. Uh, all the various, you know, iterations of, of the game as it's rolling out is I don't want any redundancy. So, if you have the starter set and then you go and buy the core rulebook, there's going to be stuff in there that, you know, like more adventures and more detail on the background and stuff that was not in the starter set. Or if you have the core rulebook and you want this little mini campaign that's in the starter set, you can pick that up, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. people People'll get both, won't they? Be honest. And that's must that's a win for everyone. The... <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> yeah, that's <right. laughs> I think quick starts are in a really interesting place. I think, you know, for, a, for an industry that's getting into its fourth or fifth decade, quick starts are, are still something that people and publishers are trying to really get a grasp on what great looks like. And I think the Call of Cthulhu one has been a great example. So obviously following that, it's going to be going to be fun for you guys. But how do you, how do you condense, if that's the right word? something from a game that's been around since 1985 and is kind of known for campaigns that maybe last longer than you do on this planet <laughs> how do you get that stuff <laughs> in, into a box and in, and into a new person's hand without overwhelming them with the let's face it some of the some of the perception of Pendragon could be quite it could be quite a heavy game there's quite you know quite intense game there's quite a lot to maybe know or or you have to kind of study. And I don't think any of those things are fair, by the way, but but I've said it in, in the past and I've heard people say it. So there's a thing. How do you get oh, sure. into a yeah. box?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I hear that uh, plenty of times myself, you know, and, and uh, you know, that's actually when a starter set is at its best because mm-hmm. you're condensing things, you know, you're, you're... I mean, the Pendragon system, first of all, is a very elegant system. You know, there's not a lot of you know, it's very focused on this delivering this experience of playing Arthurian knights, you know. Uh, so condensing the rules per se, the actual system, uh, is actually pretty straightforward. Uh, and then the uh, campaign module, and then we're also including a little solo tutorial, kind of like how the, the starter set has Alone Against the Flames, you know. So if you're, uh, oh, I'd like to run this for my group, I'm going to teach myself the system first. So you do the solo tutorial. And that's going to tell you as the gm a bit about the setting and you know just the the uh, assumptions of the of the medieval society that this you know game takes place in uh and then the campaign itself uh, the scenarios are designed to sort of teach you different parts of the system and the setting you know in little, little individual chunks you know so like one of the scenarios focuses around a battle for example so you'll you know you'll be able to take those mass battle rules which are being rewritten for the new edition by the way or have been rewritten uh for the new edition to make them uh a little less war you know mm. a little more fun to just play at the table um you know but yeah you take the battle rules for a spin on that scenario and then you know another scenarios focusing around uh you know chases and hunting and and that kind of thing you know and, and then another one is more about uh the the social uh side of the of the game you know uh uh rubbing elbows with the with the gentry and the the high nobles and that sort of thing uh so starter set really is an ideal way to cut through that you know undeserved reputation that you know oh well i have to go out and you know take a few college courses in medieval history before i can even run this thing you know and i always tell people the first time i ran pendragon i didn't know what the heck i was doing i didn't know the difference between like an earl and a duke and whatever you know and you know like you just you just jump in and you run it and the more you run it the the faster you pick it up of course and so really we're just looking with the starter set to accelerate that even more
0: and whether with, with the core rules is it um pretty much i mean it won't be the same obviously but is it is the core engine pretty much the same as previous editions will it be recognizable and uh, an easy switch for someone who's played previously to get up to speed with sixth edition further quickly
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's not like uh, in 6th edition you're playing from the perspective of the horse now or anything like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, Greg, Greg called this his ultimate edition, you know, that was his little subtitle. And it just represents his refinements on this system he had been, you know, fiddling with uh, under the hood, as it were, for, you know, what, almost 40 years. Mm. Um, so it's backwards compatible. You know, uh, if you've played Pendragon before, you can play 6th edition, really just, uh, we're going to have a little appendix in the back. It's like, here's what's changed, you know, just for quick reference for people who played before. And it's, it's just, you know, tweaks to the system, uh, to first of all, address some of the, you know, kind of clunkier, uh, rules iterations that have been in the past like the hunting system's a little more streamlined now like i said the battle system's more streamlined um but i also think like this is the addition that for me is the most saturated in like medieval and arthurian uh atmosphere and it comes through in the in the in the revised mechanics you know like the honor passion is now kind of front and center right up there along with glory you know it's now honor and glory right you know and um you're, you're paying a lot more attention to honor and how it can fluctuate, you know. Uh, you can lose honor if somebody's starting a whisper campaign about your brother, for example, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, and you don't do anything about it, right? That kind of thing. Um, you know, armor is a little more broken out, a little more detailed, a little more, you know, not overly so, but like just to give you that extra bit of flavor, you know, just little, little touches like that, you know. There's, there's a whole long list, <laughs> but nothing major. Nothing major.
0: Cool. And how do you? I mean, do you ever have sleepless nights? You've said this is really Greg's ultimate edition, but obviously he's settling along with us, and you've kind of got the mantle of being able to produce this. So is, are there sort of like times when you just like looked at a rule you want to change or? You're thinking about how do i not how to keep all the ethos but not like you know how to still make it greg to a certain extent and all that kind of stuff because as you said there's four decades of legacy there and you're kind of like the new kid on the block who's going to present it to the world it must must be uh there's a pressure there i don't know maybe you don't feel the pressure maybe it feels like a just a, a bit of an honor to use that word
2: i you know it can be both for sure <laughs> you know it, it's absolutely an honor and you know I I landed in the position I I'm in, and we may have talked about this last time. I don't remember, but uh, you know, Greg had tapped me prior to his his passing. Uh, you know, he had wanted to basically retire and uh, you know ensure that his legacy was was in the right hands. So he had been working on that with RuneQuest, uh, particularly with with uh, Jeff Richard and Jason Dural. You know, kind of handing it off to them and just the whole the whole Moon Design crew. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I was kind of the lead on uh, taking up the Pendragon mantle and I've been very ably assisted by uh, many folks who Greg referred to as his household, you know, like his household nights, hmm. um, who had been working with him on the, you know, the older supplements for nocturnal media. And between, I think between all of us, about a half dozen of us, uh, you know, our, our various brains combined sort of equal Greg's brain, you know, <laughs> like, we we each kind of look at the game from a different angle and different perspective. And, uh, and but all of us knew Greg for many years, uh, many of us gamed with Greg, you know, so by putting our various perspectives together, I, I really feel like we've been able to, yeah, carry forward his vision. And yeah, I mean, obviously, with revision work and editing, you know, there are times when it's like, oh, I don't know about this, you know, this seems a little... A little uh, like you could use some work, right? Because it was just a, it was a first draft manuscript. Sure. You know, it wasn't intended for publication. Uh, but yeah, I feel I feel great actually about where the manuscript is at this point, and and we're like I said, we're moving into art and layout right now. So, um, you know, it it is an awesome responsibility. I'm not gonna lie, uh, but I feel very confident in how it's going to be received.
1: How's the art looking?
2: Oh, great. Uh, you know, and actually that was. That was already starting we were we've been assembling a nice little stable of artists you know over the last year and so we we had already gotten some art in for the the magic supplement and that was one of the reasons we decided to hold off because we thought well rather than you know risk this kind of being lost amidst amidst a very chaotic year you know uh we love the art so much that you know it's like let's hold off on putting the magic supplement out until we've got the the whole sixth edition line rolling out we've got the a unified look for everything so we've got an amazing amazing uh new uh map of arthur's britain that's done to the ordnance survey scale of one to one hundred thousand so um you know it's it's the whole of uh logress and surrounding uh regions and it's done by francesca bayrald who's done a lot of maps for uh quest mm-hmm. and it's just it is you know I'm not really exaggerating when I say it is a work of art. I think I might f- have to frame a copy and put it up on my wall, you know? Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to share that.
1: Oh, all the Brits are gonna love that because we'll be looking to see if we can uh, see our houses. See, see with it, see if we're on it.
2: You know, it's it's
1: almost <laughs> at that level, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Google Street View yeah. for Pendragon. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> it is.
0: <laughs> well, we should be able to find the nearest castles anyway, if nothing else.
1: Oh, we're, we're, yeah, the we're, we're, yeah they're all over the place so you can't move for them can you guys
0: <laughs> you get in the way if <laughs> anything
1: yeah you you both live in a castle right <laughs> yeah not the same one though but, yeah the oh, popular okay. opinion we have our own <laughs> i've got a fiefdom <laughs> nice
0: I mean, that's that's an interesting idea. I know it's it's probably a grand idea. I know that there's D and D in a castle and things like that. And uh, previously, I've been to German conventions. Everyone Pendragon in the Ritter's Hall in the Starleck and stuff like that. But mm. do, do you have anything in mind for kind of uh, supporting referees and GMs who might want to run Pendragon in a castle or anything like that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've already rolled out a few scenarios through the Cult of Chaos for convention GMs and so forth, and. You know, I, I personally think that Pendragon is perhaps uh, of the three, you know, kind of big Chaosium games Call of Cthulhu and RuneQuest and Pendragon. Like, I think Pendragon might be very well suited for convention-style or tournament-style play. I mean, tournament, right? You know, mm-hmm. you could you could almost have a a sort of mass uh, tournament at a convention where each table is playing different parts of the same tournament, you know, and then you have a little round-robin up to the, you know, determine who wins the tournament so um i have some ideas on that in terms of organized play and um yeah also just you know having um uh you know everyone playing kind of the same module of of a particular part of the campaign you know these are ideas i'm kind of batting around i don't know if you know they'll see the light of day but we definitely want to promote it in that way as well you know whatever form it eventually takes you know getting it out there at conventions virtual or otherwise
0: yeah, it's, um, it's the Kraken that time of recording in about a week. Uh, I can't make it this time, unfortunately. But they're, they're talking about doing hybrid games. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work with a, a mm. virtual GM on a stand, maybe, on a screen, mm-hmm. and then players around and some people virtual. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to try and run a game anyway and see how it all works out. I might run Pendragon, actually. It feels like a, a, a good opportunity to try it out in, in the new modern world see how it works.
2: Yeah, well, actually, the, the other thing that's going out on on, or that will have gone out on greg day by the time this episode comes out is a little uh scenario with some quick start rules for sixth edition so i'd be happy to send that along to you uh and if you want to run that at the kraken or otherwise you are be my guest
0: oh for sure yeah but do like free stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well it is free to everybody so you know <laughs> oh now i don't feel special <laughs> yeah i know i'm sorry <laughs> for sure yeah send that across i'd uh, yeah i'd be delighted to run that for you and let you know how it goes great it's not too late to give you loads of feedback and change your rules is it
2: <laughs> no way uh, you know i mean these things right up until publication they're very fluid right <laughs> <laughs> sorry Matt.
1: That's all right. Uh, when you mentioned hybrid games, guys, I thought just for a second—I'm sure this isn't the most original idea in the world—and uh, if you start uh, groaning, I wouldn't blame you at all. But call a Cthulhu Pendragon crossover—is that a thing? Similar rule set? Can you? Which and which way would you go if you had to do it? Would you do Cthulhu in Pendragon or Pendragon in Cthulhu?
2: You know, it—it it, it is kind of. Um a natural pairing isn't it Mm -hmm. you know uh, especially with Cthulhu Dark Ages having just recently come out um you know the one of the things I love about Pendragon is that you can you can flavor it in in a variety of different ways and um it's actually pretty easy to take it in a horror direction you know and um I mean personally for myself as a GM I might like have a little like hmm cheeky reference to the necronomicon being in a the library of a monastery or something (laughs) and let's just leave it at that but you know i mean pendragon's on a d20 scale but it is derived from the basic percentile brp system and you know somebody could certainly drop in elements of the mythos into their pendragon games just by converting some cthulhu monsters you know to a d20 scale and um You know, or yeah, like if you wanted to use your Cthulhu Dark Ages uh, setting and have some kind of throwback, you know, thing to Arthur, you know, maybe like combine Arthur and the King in yellow or something like that, you know. Oh yeah, there's a lot you could do with that.
0: Yeah, I've run um, one of my old convention scenarios. Basically how I I viewed the Cthulhu elements was to make them like the Fae, so in Pedragons the Mm -hmm. Fairy who can be alien and weird. So I just had them. So they were worshiping the Fey as they saw it, and there's you know a deep one at the end, but that was just a a Fey knight as far as the the, the players were concerned. Um, I think that for my for me anyway to answer Buzz's question, like that the secret is to not make it uh, obvious. So you put enough bits in there so that people can who are in the know can recognize it and have a smile for themselves and kind of grab what's going on. If you know what I mean, with the tentacled statue that's in the monastery that shouldn't be there and that kind of stuff. Mm, um, but right. but yeah just don't say it out loud almost but have the elements there for people who want to see the easter eggs I guess that's how you call it you know sure absolutely but yeah it fits I found especially mm-hmm. when a deep one's got like plate armor that's, so it makes it really hard for the knights <laughs> to get through that <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love it yeah <laughs> <I'm sure laughs> the helm reveal at the end. just so they
2: can really try and break their way through like lobsters things yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, a crustacean.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's that's all good. So um
1: Baz, are you sort of tempted by the new edition of Pendragon? I don't think we've we've played it much together as such. Um we've not played it much, have we? Um I I'm the um I'm the novice when it comes to Pendragon. Uh but I've I've played the game a handful of times, uh but uh, notably with Greg Stafford and yourself, Gaz so I mean you know why would I ever want to play again because <laughs> that's best of the yeah, sets really the bar pretty high <laughs> yeah, yeah those are my only games of Pendragon um one was much better than the other I'll let the listeners email in on how that went so I give. of course I'm tempted I, to be fair a smart party TV recently we did an actual play didn't we um I that's played right. through some Pendragon I really enjoyed that session I and mean, that'll be obvious to anybody who's watched or listened to it <laughs> what a good laugh we had um yeah, really good times. So I am super tempted. I have a I have one of the previous editions up on my shelf, uh, signed by Greg, um, which obviously I treasure, um, and I, and I feel like it's too nice to play. So going back to your statement from earlier, Gaz, I think I need one for the table, one for the shelf, and maybe one for the vault. So <laughs> 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 this could this could be the addition.
0: Yeah, it's it's good to hear um, if I remember what you said correctly that there's a little bit of a mini campaign in the starter set. Because one of mm-hmm. the things that we lament is that there's not starter adventures that are any good in role-playing books. Quite often. like quite often they're missing, and other times they don't seem to bear any relationship to the advice that's given in the book, and they seem to be have written by someone else. So, uh, could you just perhaps unpack a little bit about what you mean by mini campaign and how that looks?
2: Sure thing. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that the sixth edition does is um, it moves the default starting time up to. When Arthur draws the sword from the stone. Uh, Because this is a game, you know, called King Arthur Pendragon. You know, let's center it back onto that, (laughs) right? Uh, The majority of people that I, the majority of chatter I see people talking about the games they run, since 5th edition defaults to King Uther's reign, seems like the majority of campaigns are happening then, you know which is fine it's an interesting period but you know if we move the timeline up then hey look at that most people are now interacting with king arthur the round table guinevere etc etc so the mini campaign uh basically you know is starting out with your novice knights sort of uh right around the same age as arthur uh and sort of growing into their knighthood as he grows into his kingship you know and they uh you know they're seeing that these events happen but also dealing with their own issues you know on a a more regional level and it's going to culminate uh at the battle of baden hill so it's going to kind of take you through the the boy king period if you're familiar with the great pendragon campaign timeline Uh, and uh yeah just kind of give you that because it's important i think with pendragon especially since you have the winter phase you have the sort of you know aspect of the game where your characters do age you know a lot faster than most rpg characters they marry they start families they you know etc etc they uh they live in this world so it was important to have a multi-year you know campaign to demonstrate that part it's not just enough to have a little one shot you know
0: hmm. no yeah i agree that i think that's something i found when i'm running out of conventions actually people then ask about well how do i play my son or my grandson or something i've heard that's what this game's about so it's, mm. it's it's been a bit hard, in fact, with a couple of people they've got like they've come in with the wrong idea, thinking they went through three generations in one session, which I think is right. probably ambitious. I'm, I'm going to suggest it is four <laughs> hours to get through
1: <laughs> that many it, years. It is. Yeah, absolutely, but that's the bit you want to see. There isn't it? that's one of the unique selling points out of many, is that uh, it's not D and D. You're not just playing paladins. you know, you know, yeah. you not got four paladins off on on a, a quest or a mission. It is that generational stuff and it's a it's about it's about something that's just a bit richer and deeper than um than simply going looking for treasure a quest for the grail is not the same as looking for the rod of many parts in a standard fantasy game is it
2: exactly so yeah yeah and and i do want to just say uh in terms of the uther period and all that stuff we do have plans to revisit that era and even some earlier you know going all the way back to uh, vortigern and you know his uh his tyranny and you know kind of going through aurelius ambrosius and then into into uther so we will be revisiting that pre-arthurian period down the line but our initial you know sort of rollout is very much focused on on arthur and his times
0: so this this might be a little bit outside of your remit but i'll ask you anyway if things are still going all right for chaos and then you given the pandemic and everything else because whenever i speak to well, we speak to Mike Mason about Cthulhu or or you're obviously got like great plans and uh Ring Quest seems to be going great guns as well it seems like there's lots of products in the line and lots going to be coming out so is, is Chaosum still a decent place even given everything that's happening in the world
2: yeah I mean as, as it turns out you know we were we were cautious back at the beginning of the pandemic because nobody knew it was going to happen but um you know the support from the, the the fan community and and the people who play our games has just been phenomenal and uh, you know we've been we've been getting through it, or you know doing well so in in a, enough of a way that we can continue to you know have these plans for for the future down the line which is just
0: great. Excellent. And how do you find uh, the international community? Like uh, as Buzz has alluded to, we're we're British and King Arthur's got a certain resonance with uh, you know our history, even though it's mythological. But you know, it, do you have people in like I don't know Brazil, Japan, wherever? Like, do you do you see much of an international appetite for this kind of stuff?
2: Oh, very much so. Yeah, I mean, we're already uh, you know looking at doing a couple foreign language translations. You know, pretty quickly after the you know the English language uh, version comes out, and um, yeah, we really do have a, an international uh, fan base, including in Japan and uh, and Brazil and and all over, really
0: good to yeah yeah. Know, I, yeah
2: and and you know we want to we want to expand it even further of course you know uh one of the things you know've I've been doing behind the scenes as line editors is, is reaching out to uh, women authors who want to contribute on the line and looking at just making the game more accessible for everybody you know including women gamers because uh you know my my game group uh was actually primarily women and uh, they all love Pendragon but all of them, you know, kind of came to it saying, I don't know, like, is this really for me? You know, is this just a, a game about, you know, m- you know, male knights riding around rescuing helpless damsels, you know? <laughs> and, and um, you know, and then they found out it wasn't. Uh, but, you know, that that is isn't a perception that, that you know, sometimes comes up. So, you know, in the new 6th edition, uh, for example, you know, Greg wrote in much more explicit kind of, guidelines and um you know uh, just sort of background material for women knights you know in the starter set your sort of mentor character is a woman knight you know that kind of thing you know just sort of modeling you know like hey it's not just not just these guys
1: cool that's good to hear i mean it's not a historical game it's a mythological game but um people do get their uh they do get their arguments in a twist sometimes don't they? about armor when it comes to women so you know it's it's the right thing to do definitely i support it completely but you're, you're very bold people to be to be making sure that things are right and proper in gaming at the moment because you know there, there's always going to be an element of unfortunately some some uh some nasty well you don't even want to call them fans but there'll be some opinions out there about this i'm sure
2: sure absolutely you know and and i mean even greg you know he uh, was talking with a lot of you know historians and folklorists and stuff and you know he just wanted to make sure that he was grounding this in you know the literature and the history uh, as much as he could as well and i mean there's they're in the arthurian canon and and sort of related medieval chansons, you know there are stories of women knights uh the you know there are fighting manuals that depict uh you know women fighters so it, it is there you know it's just uh it, actual history or actual folklore should not be taken for like later lenses that were applied you know in retrospect Mm -hmm. so yeah and i mean frankly you know the rule book says hey if you want uh of your version of pendragon you know to have gender parity between male and female knights go for it if you want your version of pendragon to have very few if any female knights it's your game it's not gonna it's not gonna wreck the game it's just our our sort of default position is if you want to play a woman knight go for it and here's some support here's how here's how you might reflect it in your campaign cool, cool. Sounds,
0: sounds good nice. is there um much up in the way of um advice about how to play NPCs that that's something that's just struck me now that you mentioned about the difference between Earl and Dukes and there might be romance or social situations and things like that I've been probably pretty much the same as you when you started that kind of like freelance in terms of how people would act or their expectations or you know, I've left it until the player eventually says like, oh, so what am I supposed to do here? Is he is he higher ranked than me? I've had to kind of work it out on the fly and think, is he? I don't know. Um. So uh, have you any kind of support around that for people who might be new to the setting?
2: Absolutely. You know, I mean, we have a little bit of that in the starter set and it's sort of demonstrated through the scenarios, but really the core rule book, one of the things that sets it apart from the starter set is, you know, a big chunk of the text is here's some background information here's how nobility works, here's the ranks of nobility, here's how you can climb the social ladder, um, here's how, you know, the church is organized, here's how the pagan orders are organized, um, here's how magic and miracles fit into the setting, you know, it's, and stuff like that. So, you know, we want to provide as much, yeah, background information as possible, and then, you know, some game mechanics in there as well, you know, we've integrated some of the mechanics from the Book of Feasts, you know, into the core book, so... Uh, Eventually, I want to do a supplement that does focus on sort of courtiers and ladies and the social aspect of the game. Like if you wanted to really focus on that as your preferred style. Uh, But the core rulebook definitely gives you enough. And even the starter set gives you enough if you don't know anything about the Middle Ages beyond knights and armor and castles, (laughs) you know, that you could (laughs) you could uh, create a credible impression (laughs) with your group.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of the things as well I've discussed with others about historical games and things is you you've kind of gotta say as well at the start of the game, don't don't be trying to win the history. You know, if you've got a, a PhD in medieval history or whatever else, like keep it to yourself. Like it's it's good to add details as a player if you want to add more like window dressing and setting to it and you know, enrich the game. But um yeah, it's probably worth noting for other GMs out there. Like don't don't let people just take over if they think they know more than you do. It's, it's, as Baz well said, a mythological game. So, you know, your, your Pendragon may vary, to sort of paraphrase, Greg.
2: Absolutely. There's even a section in the rule book that says, says that very thing. Uh, and, you know, of course, yeah, that is always our little escape hatch, is that this is not a historical uh, game. This is a game, uh, you know, the, I always view it like it's sort of the idea of the Dark Ages as envisioned through the mind of a, you know, 14th century storyteller. Yeah, you know, so it it has all of the idiosyncrasies and inaccuracies that somebody who doesn't really know anything about that period would project onto it from his own time period, you know. Uh and then, you know, then further sort of translated through our own, you know, 21st century worldview.
0: Yeah, I was going to say so like a, a 20th century shaman's view of a what a 14th century poet's view of well, what <laughs> it's what it it's multi-layered. There's a lot <laughs> of layers. <laughs>
1: David, if you were um if you were trying to get into Pendragon and uh and and clearly this is what we want people to do, and uh, I think one of the one of the things that Pendragon always encourages in people is you do you start that you do turn into a student, you start looking at things on Wikipedia, you start looking at maps, it's it's one of those great games that drives you into little bits of research, and you find yourself at three in the morning down some kind of hole on the internet trying to find out about an arcane piece of heraldry. Um what I wondered yeah. was you know what goes in the old appendix n listing for pendragon in the 21st century because clearly you know mallory's work and 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 all the stuff that people maybe grew up on back in the 20th century is a really big deal but what 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 else is there that that you may have seen around mass media game of thrones has come and gone since pendragon got invented back in the 80s does does that have a have any kind of resonance uh where where else should people be looking what's the good films the good comics the good books that maybe give someone a bit of a steer into into what could be an arcane world
2: yeah you know i mean that's actually uh on my wish list is that we might see a sort of game of thrones level treatment of the arthurian Mm -hmm. uh, mythos come out at some point uh the guy ritchie Uh, Attempt was not it. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, living in Nottingham, his vision of Nottingham was somewhat of a departure from reality. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Um, But uh, to set media aside for a moment, or at least visual media, uh, one of the things we're going to have in the in the game and the uh, resource pack is uh, Greg's personal bibliography. You know, he he wrote up a little a little guide. Like, here's what I have on my shelf, basically. And uh, also, we should be coming out, uh, hopefully not too far in the future, it's Fulfilling an Old Nocturnal Media Kickstarter, uh, an annotated Le Morte d'Artour uh, that uh, features Greg's uh, annotations in it. So, um, you know, I would definitely point people towards that. Uh, in Greg's bibliography, he actually recommends uh, Once in Future King, if you're going to read one book mm. about uh, Arthur and, and that cycle, uh, that would be... His recommendation. And then, if you're going to read two books, you read Mallory as well. But in terms of yeah, visual media, I mean, obviously, games of, Game of Thrones is probably going to be a, a touchstone for a lot of people, uh, the books as well as the TV series, and that's fine. You know, I think it, I think it it does a good job of showing medieval power politics and houses and their enmities towards each other. So you know, if you're familiar with Game of Thrones or or the book series, and then playing through the the feuds between the Orkneys and the DeGales and DeGanis clans, you know, you're, it's going to feel familiar for sure. I actually just watched a, a little YouTube uh, short feature done by a, a fellow whose name escapes me at the moment, but he he has a great channel where he talks about, you know, every little bit of medieval minutia you, you you might care for, uh, you know, in terms of like uh, warhorses, you know, how big were warhorses? What, what is it like to wear plate armor? The evolution of swords through the Middle Ages, that kind of thing. Uh, He did a great little five-minute feature, just no dialogue, just, you know, Sir Percival on the Grail quest. So there's a lot of, you know, interesting things kind of burbling out. Obviously, hopefully we'll see the Green Knight uh, movie released at some point. Uh, I'm really excited about that, and I think hopefully if it lives up to expectations, it might be exactly what I've been waiting for, which is to see a a really good flavorsome, you know, treatment of Arthurian uh, mythology coming out, because it has been a while since we've had a really good Arthurian movie. And I kind of, I, I think about like when call of Cthulhu came out and how Lovecraft was a name and the Cthulhu mythos was a thing that was known in smaller circles. Mm. And then the game kind of helped to broaden that out into a public consciousness. So maybe with sixth edition coming out, it can, you know, help to uh, inspire people to follow up and, and spread that uh, awareness as well. Particularly among some of the younger folk out there who maybe haven't seen Excalibur, don't even know what Excalibur is.
0: That's gonna be my touchstone from 1981. <laughs> absolutely, yeah.
2: I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 the classic Arthurian movie, but it is uh, almost 40 years old. So <laughs> you
0: know,
1: yeah, you have to go back a long way Weirdly to find it, don't you? I mean, I, I find that surprising that there hasn't been more Arthurian stuff out there in mainstream. It's um, you get you get little adjacent things like the kid who would be king think that was out Mm -hmm. last year um and you Mm -hmm. know as as a myth it's so prevalent i mean again being brits maybe we just don't realize how steeped we are in it but i don't know i don't know anybody who wouldn't know about knights of the round table the holy grail guinevere you know sword and stone maybe it was disney brought it to us but but these are these are these are getting old now these touchstones
2: they are jeff richard likes to say that the, the arthurian cycle is the ur fantasy like everything that you know like from every other fantasy treatment you can probably or definitely find in the Arthurian cycle Mm. it's all there and so thing it's it's kind of like if you go back and you listen to uh, a band that was foundational in a particular genre and you go oh this is where it all started (laughs) you know but you're familiar with the second and third generation bands that were kind of copying that sound It's kind of a similar thing where it's like, I think people, there is some resonance for like with the round table and whatnot, but the people don't maybe realize like just how much Mm. it's informed uh, fantasy literature and and media.
1: Yeah, so it'd be good to go back to literal old school. (laughs) Older even than the old school. Indeed.
2: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, again, like hopefully with the new edition uh, rolling out, we'll get more eyes on it and, and people will say, oh, well, uh, you know, let me let me go read some of these old books. Let me get into this. And then, you know, hey, maybe even start uh, creating some some new stories of their own. That would be awesome. Hmm.
1: Cool. But importantly, can you play it from the perspective of a horse?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we do have a chapter on horses in the new, in the new book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, you know, all joking aside, I, I really do feel like paying some attention to your knight's horse is important because this is a this is your partner basically you know it's kind of like a, a canine unit for a you know police officer or you know military police or whatever you know like how they kind of work together man and animal working together you know uh, similar similar idea I think the horse is not just a it's not just a motorcycle that poops, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it should have a little bit of personality. It should have a little idiosyncrasy to it. Just like with your Squire, you know. It shouldn't just be a set of numbers. It should be... Oh, absolutely. A, you know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've played... Uh, for listeners, out if you played any pen dragon at all, and you go through winter phases where things might die, if your horse might die during the winter, that's harrowing. When you finally got an Andalusian charger, and it's your favorite thing ever, and it might die because it's too cold... Like you yep. care about that more than your wife and things. It's it's very disturbing. <laughs> so it's good to hear they've got a bit bit more uh, bit more screen time.
2: Yes, and actually on that on that point, we actually do have uh, a rule in in the new edition. You know, your knight can suffer from grief and mourning if your spouse dies so it, you know we're trying to kind of reverse that old joke about like if your horse dies it's a tragedy and if your wife dies it's a you know it's an opportunity uh no you know your spouse dying should actually be an upsetting event for your night and so there's there's a little mechanic in there to to back that up so
1: <laughs>
2: this is an example of you know like i said the there's all tweaks. these little tweaks right yeah. so
1: yeah but the squires are still third class and no one cares about the squires.
0: <laughs> squires are great. I, I, I mean, that's a that's a tip for any any burgeoning Pendragon uh, gems that are out there listening. Like, I, I always play them up. I, have a, mm-hmm. I try and have a little mannerism or uh, something about each of them that I can try and bring up. Uh, one chases after the scullery maids, and one's just a little bit of and doesn't want to get dirty or something. And, you know, just give them a little feature. And I think that really enriches a Pendragon game if there's just like a thing that each squire's got about them that after a few sessions older the knights can recognise. And uh, bet well don't send Gervais over there because he's, you know, just a clumsy so and so and he's bound to mess it all up. So like we need to send someone well, you know, you're not sending Paul, he's my friend like he's about to be knighted next week. We can't risk him. And you, you can get into some really good sort of like character conversations about like you say what could otherwise be just little blocks of numbers on your character sheet.
2: Absolutely. And and you know actually in fact in the um, character creation rules in the core rule book, there's two options. One is to start as that twenty one year old newly knighted or about to be knighted uh knight and then also if you want you can actually start your character out as a 14 year old squire or 15 or 16 or wherever your gm wants to start you and then play through at least a few years of your squirehood up until knighthood so that you can kind of get a feel for your character and actually sort of build the character through play mm. you know
0: yeah I like that a lot one of the other interesting things I've done for conventions as well, which might might pique someone's interest out there, is um is have squires as separate characters, like fully fully written up as well as the knights. And then mm-hmm. you can play like in two modes of play. So you can spend an hour as the knights and then as the knights have all been drugged or whatever it is that's happened to them and taken out, they go, Okay, flip your character sheets over. There's all your squires. What are you gonna do about it? And you then you have to play. Absolutely.
2: As the squires. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do that with the core rule book you know, straight out of the book, so
0: yeah. So, um, are there any other sort of genres you're still thinking of moving to? I think last time you we were here we mentioned kind of things like, oh Pendron would be really good for playing samurai and things like that. Are they they still bubbling away somewhere in the background?
2: Yeah, I mean we have uh, fully uh written manuscripts for heroic Greece and um sort of legendary uh Japan. And uh now they need to be updated to sixth edition, which is not a huge task, but you know, just kind of going through the mechanics, making sure everything's up to date. They were written for for fifth edition. yeah, those are those are still in the pipeline. you know, it's just we gotta gotta focus on the on the main game right now, but some point in the future, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love to get them out there. I wrote the or I co-wrote the uh, the Samurai one, so um that's kind of you know my baby. And, um, and then the, the Heroic Greek one, I think, is, is just fantastic. I love it. It does some really interesting things with converting the idea. Instead of playing knights, you're playing heroes of the Homeric Age. So you can imagine the possibilities there. I really can't wait to get them out. It's just we have to get the main game out first.
0: Sure, yeah. Now, just checking, they're still there. I won't want to have, like, have lost them completely. But, uh, yeah, I understand you can't bring out 17 bucks straight away.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, we've got a bunch of supplements in line for for pendragon as well i mean you know between what greg left and then what other contributors have been working on and i you know we've got material in the pipeline for years to come
0: (laughs) are you getting any chance because you have done writing before as as you've alluded to there are you getting a chance to do some writing still or is is the like line developer role taking up the majority of your time yeah
2: yeah i am still fitting in writing uh i'm going to have a scenario. Speaking of starter sets, there will be a RuneQuest starter set that should be out. Uh well that that will definitely be out before the Pendragon one. I can't get any more specific than that. But I should have a scenario in that. And then I've been doing some more work for Call of Cthulhu. I'm actually working on a a new city source book uh right now and I've you know have a couple other projects that I've submitted as well over the last couple of years. So eventually, <laughs> speaking of having a lot of projects in the pipeline, I mean, you know, I am nothing as compared to uh, the Call of Cthulhu line and what Mike's handling, so. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> but uh yeah no it's 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 a balance you know going between writing and editing but it's uh keeps things fresh
0: are there um are there any other games or anything that you've uh, you've played recently or looked at i mean that's one thing that quite a lot of designers line editors, writers all the rest tend to do sometimes you can get yeah. sort of super focused on what you're doing this is one camp and then another camp is you kind of play around a little bit or read other things or jump into kickstarters just to get some different ideas and maybe different approaches or styles you could use
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is important, you know, just like with an author to, you know, read outside your genre, right? So I do try and uh, get in running and playing other games. So uh, like actually right now I'm running a uh, Castle Falkenstein uh, game. Yeah, which has been a lot of fun and very interesting, you know, because it's a card-based system. We're actually using a variation uh, that uses tarot decks, which has added even more uh mayhem to the game because all the major arcana have like special sort of story influencing mechanics where the player can add something to the plot or uh some random element uh comes out of the player's attempted action right um but yeah no that's been a lot of fun playing in a monster hearts game right now so yeah definitely trying to keep my base of game experiences as broad as possible
0: that's good Yes, I, I recommend uh, Agon to you, or Aegon, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah,
2: you know, that's definitely been on my list for a long time. I need to look into that.
0: Yeah, definitely give that a go. Just We just wrapped up a campaign of it quite recently, but um, yeah, certainly if you've got that Homeric uh, Pendragon in the pipeline somewhere, it's probably worth just having a, a look through that and a playthrough just to get you in the in the mood. <laughs> and then the editing Absolutely. of the old scripts will be a breeze after that. You'll be right on for it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's, it's... You know, I should probably dip my toe into other uh, Arthurian games as well. You know, I, I did actually pick up the the promotional box set that they put out for the Green Knight movie, but I haven't really cracked it open. So <laughs> that, that that's a whole other thing. Promotional RPGs now—that's that that's something I never saw coming. Mm.
1: Oh, tell me about it. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Well, it's great. Yeah. It's super great. I watched Onward the other day. It's, it hit Disney Plus and. um and I think I posted the first 90 seconds of that, like, you know, the best fantasy movie I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> and there's there's, a, there's an RPG that you can get off the back of it. And, no uh, kidding. These things wow. are being given away in cereal boxes now. So yeah, th- this is how mainstream we're going. So the, the audience is just growing and growing and growing and growing. And um, I think, you know, there, there may be some upsides to the whole lockdown pandemic, but getting people playing games with each other is definitely on on the spike again, isn't it? Despite the death of the hobby ongoing for 40 years
2: <laughs> the perpetual death I of know. the hobby yes it's it's very uh it's very fisher king you know the the, <laughs> the wound that never heals yeah. uh <laughs> but yeah no I, I i think i made the observation to somebody uh the timing of the pandemic uh at least as far as the game industry goes you know if this had happened 20 years ago it might have been it might have been the death of the game Maybe. industry because yeah. there weren't any online you know like what would you do call up your friends and play over the phone you know um but yeah thank thank goodness we have the resources and tools we have today and and it has I think yeah you're right gotten a lot of people gaming
0: yeah is there anything um that KSM I think of doing in that space actually I'm just thinking in terms of having I don't know roll 20 character sheets or you know online character sheets is it, it seems like there's a definitely an appetite there for, for more kind of digital resources as well as The old fashioned books and that sort of thing. Is that something you guys are thinking about?
2: Yes, it is definitely something. Uh and that's all I can say. Okay. (laughs) But yeah. Um but and and in the meantime, uh, there are some great fan created Roll Twenty character sheets for fifth edition right now, and hopefully when sixth edition comes out, uh, you know, actually I, I know the person I know of the person who who's made the fifth edition sheets, so I should get in touch with her and see if she's planning to make a 6th edition sheet, uh, because I'm really impressed with with her work on the 5th edition. I think there's even a fan-made mod on Fantasy Grounds, too, if that's more to someone's speed. So, uh, yeah, it's always good to see that kind of thing, and, and, uh, you know, again, Pendragon is such an elegant system, I think it translates well to online play, because there's not a lot of bells and whistles, you know, you don't need counters or uh, special special dice or anything like that you know
0: yeah 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 it's definitely straightforward i've run it online a couple of times and it's uh, it's yeah as you say quite easy i mean it does help online as well that you can show some heraldry off as well i, yep. I do things with tokens and making dual sided and stuff so with, depending on whether you're trying to recognize someone's shield or their face you might display one or the other and that kind of thing and it's just good. It's good for having the the visual richness so it's it's good to hear as you were saying that there's a whole new set of art coming along with it as well because that I think is the thing that's made online play really sing for a lot of people is being able to see, for D&D it's more like maps and things like that and, and having rich mm-hmm. kind of environments but I think any game you play if you've got a good visual hook that will keep people interested in looking at the screen
1: Yeah game prep is different these days isn't it
0: Yeah you lose out on being around a table with people in terms of only like have conversations to keep people engaged so you do need some extra bits just to kind of keep people you know hooked in I think yeah yeah
2: and and in that sense I think online play actually has something over uh, playing at the tabletop because that's something I always tried to do running in person was like have some handouts or visual aids like well when I talk about a particular style of dress or a particular st- you know or just the heraldry I would have a little printout that I'd hand out and so yeah with online
1: play it's just that much easier yeah, we've all got little folders on our hard drives now, haven't we, for assets? So when you're prepping your game, you might you might still be scribbling it down in a notepad or on a legal pad somewhere nearby, but also in your mind you're thinking about the imagery. Yeah, what what can you clip out? What can you hand over? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've
0: got my folder from years ago that I still have with my little shields in. That I made, I had to find some old clip art of things like you know martinet symbols and five pointed stars and hands with an arrow in and things like that <laughs> and at the time yeah. I had to do a lot of photoshopping and a lot of messing about to get it to look nice. Uh, now you young kids out there with all your assets that Google <laughs> Images can get yeah. you don't have to go through all my pain.
2: Oh yeah, there's even online heraldry generators now, yeah. Yeah, you just plug, plug in the code and off it goes.
0: Cool, right. Uh, well we're nearly up on time David, sadly, it always seems to flash by when we have you on. Um, are, are there any other uh, interesting bits and pieces you want to tell us about before you head off? anything you've been involved in or it doesn't even have to be pendragon related it could be anything you like (laughs)
2: uh yeah well um honestly there is too much to talk about uh with the sixth edition uh you know to fit into an hour so once it starts rolling out i'd love to come back on the show and and talk more about it uh but yeah right right now that's kind of my world (laughs) it's you know (laughs) keeping my head down in in that world and and then um Switching hats to work on Call of Cthulhu, so it's almost like having to have multiple writer personalities
0: simultaneously. Yeah, maybe we will get that Pendragon Cthulhu crossover ratch sh- like you know.
2: Maybe so. Due to yes. some uh,
0: brain switching error when you try doing your writing, who knows?
2: Yeah, just accidentally.
0: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Good stuff. Right. Well, it's been great to have you on, David. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we shall see you next time when you can tell us more interesting details about what's coming up for Pendragon. Thanks so much, guys. It's been great. No Cheers, David.